Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With four campuses scattered throughout Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Thank you, Denise, for, um, for sharing that. I love to just to think about, um, as we continue to talk about uh, the idea, this idea of joy, I appreciate um, all the emails and the feedback uh, from last week. Uh, a lot of you guys learned this. And you use this very well. I had text messages saying they got joyed in the grocery store or they got joyed on, in traffic, which is not a bad thing. It's better than right, giving someone another gesture. <laughs> I think we can all get behind that. Uh, I even love, they got a couple of uh, uh, responses that like parenting wins where like the four-year-old is telling the two-year-old to stop whining about their cereal and just have some joy. I'm like, this is a good thing. This is a movement we could start. Uh, and what, what I'm trying to do in this, and when you think about this, what, what, what Jesus said when, he, when he's asked about the kingdom or uses this illustration, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. And someone finds it, a man finds it. And in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. We lose a lot of the imagery of how Jesus talked and what he said because we just sort of think pragmatically and tactically. Oh, Jesus said this, so I'll do this. Jesus said this, here's the pathway for me to get what I want. But if you think about this, if you sort of take this moment apart, it says that there's this treasure that is hidden in the field. And this man sees it and he discovers it. There's a process by which he didn't know something. He suspected something. And then he says, oh my gosh, it is something. Then he has to go back and he has to go through the process of undoing all the things that were required for him to sell everything, for him to get rid of one thing to pursue something else. There's all this middle space. And a lot of times that middle space is uncertain. A lot of times that middle space is chaotic. A lot of times that middle space is frightening. It's anxiety producing. It's anything but joy filled or joyful. But like the language of the scriptures, we taught this last week, and part of what I'm doing is trying to help us to see joy, to see joy, to see joy a little bit differently. And I've been talking about this, or last week we began, I said that joy is pervasive. It has the capacity to press into every single thing that we experience, everything that we feel, so as not to be circumstantial. And this morning, I want to introduce the fact that joy is formative. It has the capacity to shape. In his joy, he went and did something else. In his joy, it caused him to see something or pursue something in a different way. It shaped things so as not to become, and the best word I can think of is subjective. It isn't flippant. It isn't based on our capacity or to, uh, to figure it out or even to understand. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The definition that I gave last week was this, that joy is the resulting emotion of being loved by God that fuels life with God. 
that we receive and we see and we behold something so deep that it fuels us to walk with God, to live with God, and it drives and defines everything else. My point in this is that it drives and has the capacity to define every other emotion. And we see this in James chapter one, and it says this. A lot of you may be familiar with this. It says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that this kind of testing of your faith produces perseverance, and that perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. But it begins, as we look back in verse two, it says, we count it all joy. What does this mean? What does it mean for you when you're standing at this point and you're having to figure out, this is not going the way I want. How can I count it joy? So for today, what I thought would be fun to do is to let, kind of peel back the curtain and give you some insight and let you hear from someone that you hear from all the time just in a much different way. So today I want to invite Roland Williamson out to the stage. Uh, Roland, I guess he's coming. I'm right here. Oh, there he is right there. Roland Williamson. Y'all have heard him sing. And today he's going to come here and join me and we're going to talk. Y'all can, can say welcome to him. We're really, really glad. So, Rylan, are you there? I'm there. Are you here? I'm here. Thanks for, um, for being willing to do this. I know uh, you came into my office with an idea for yeah. a closer uh, yeah. last week. Yep. Well, I came in, and so I had the privilege of working with our worship department, our production department, and we get to kind of look at Mike's notes and look at where he's heading and decide on a closer or the songs for the week or whatever it may be, and... Our team just kind of felt like, I don't think a song is going to really be the best thing for the end of this week. And so I was going in to kind of pitch that uh, to Mike. Hey, I don't think we need to do a song. And I left with, hey, you're going to share your story and we're going to do a song here in Wilmington. Uh, so this week I will have a song picked out for you. Uh, <laughs> That's how it works, go. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a that was good time. So you get my notes every week and they're like super clear and readable and understandable. And you Always. just follow and track it right along. Always tracking right along. Okay. Um, this is what it's like often, but you know, one of the things, and Ronald, maybe just real quick, tell us, um, obviously we see you up here and you, you have a great voice. I always tell Ron, man, if I could sing like him, I would never shut up. I would just sing all my messages. It'd be over. My wife would love that. And, um, so I, obviously you're talented, but there's, there's more to that. And maybe just, uh, you know, kind of tell us maybe, you know, what you, what you feel like you bring, um, to who we are as a church, uh, in terms of how you lead us in worship, what, we, what, what you want us to understand? That's a big question. It's a big question. A big you weren't question. expecting that, were you? No. Uh, I will say I uh, was not expecting that, 100%. <laughs> uh, I thought we were going to talk a little bit about my family, which is actually uh, part of it, but it is kind of interesting. So I've known about Port City, City since 2012. Um, I was at a church in Atlanta who uh, was kind of well-connected at the time, and I, I heard about Port City, got to know some folks here, and just kind of tracked along with what God was doing in and through uh, the church, uh, all the way up until I moved here with my wife in 2018, I believe. I might be getting this yeah, wrong. Right. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, so um, it was just really, really interesting because I had moved to a church in Virginia. I've been there about five years. It was a partner church of the church I was at in Atlanta, and uh, I loved it. We had just gone from being mobile to opening up a campus. We bought a Costco and kind of outfitted that. And so our, our team, I was the music director there, and we had the opportunity just to just kind of 
hit the ground running and have some fun creating. So we had just got out of this mobile phase where you're just barely hanging on. Leland, uh, we are with you. Um, and then I get a call. This is about a year into being in the new building. That there's a position available here at the Leland campus, which is mobile. And I was like, okay, nah, I'm good. Uh, I just got done with this. I just got over the mobile thing. But we came and visited, and it just really felt like uh, where God was leading Emily and I, and where God was leading Port City, just kind of aligned um, our heart heartbeat behind that. And so uh, we ended up moving down here with the Leland campus for almost a year, um, and then transitioned over here, I guess fully, um, a little over a year ago, over to the yeah. Wilmington campus. So uh, it's been awesome. I do, um, do want to, uh, speakers have this privilege of getting to show pictures of their families, that worship leaders oh, don't get to yeah. do that. And so I gave the team a few minutes ago my the picture of my family, and I just want to brag on them a little bit. So go ahead I was going to ask up. you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I knew that Judah would get the awes. So, um, so that face on him is the face 900% of the time. Um, and so it's just, if you walk in my house, in fact, Brian Davis, who leads worship for us, he comes over uh, from time to time. Uh, and we'll work out in the mornings, and every time Judah's in his high chair, and he just stares him down. I mean, it's just, it's like, you would think after about 30 times, he would be there. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just taking it all in. But that's Emily, my wife, and Judah, my one-year-old son, and they are absolutely incredible. Yeah. So the, the church that he was at in Atlanta, for those of you who know, is one of the most influential churches in the world. It's North Point Community Church. So, so he went from working with Andy to me. <laughs> so it's like kind of a level of clarity there. Um, one of the things, you know, Ron, that, that I, I love, you know, just because I've, I've heard your story, obviously, over the years, but um, a lot of what we talk about when it says to count it all joy, read this passage, and we see you, and I know you're, you're passionate about bringing us to a place of surrender, to really kind of let go of what we see and to embrace what God has, this treasure that has been given to us, which I've loved, Matthew 13, and to, to be willing to pursue that in such a way that everything else pales. And, you know, we know, uh, we talk about around here that this idea of redemption and how redemption happens and what it looks like. And oftentimes the fact that we don't know what it looks like. But your story is kind of rich with, you know, you, you lead us in that place because of your own personal experience. Maybe you can back up and kind of let yeah. us into your story. And I think you'll see, we'll see how this all weaves together. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my, my story, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of different lanes I could go in, but a big part of my story just kind of centers around family. It centers around my mom, um, and holy goodness, um, that, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Um, when I was four years old, my mom was diagnosed with MS, uh, which is multiple sclerosis, and when you're four, that means absolutely nothing. In fact, I think the way that it was put to me is that I'm sick, and so as a four-year-old, what sickness means is cold or whatever it may be. So it really meant nothing to me while I, I, I'm sure it meant um, something way heavier to my mom and my dad and our family. Um, to me, it was just a, just a thing. You're just four. A, yeah, I was from four. Yeah. It didn't mean anything. But um, middle school, it all came crashing down. Um, so when I was in middle school, I learned that it meant for her um, that her quality of life and her life expectancy wouldn't be at, at what any of us hoped, and I guess in that moment, I realized it wasn't what I, I had hoped, and everything just kind of shifted uh, for me, because in that place, um, I was in church, my parents were rooted in the church, um, went to First Baptist Church in Dublin, Georgia, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, um, but it wasn't necessarily the church, I, I say that, it wasn't necessarily the church that encouraged you to bring questions or doubts when it came to hard things, but also I was 
Uh, I am an introvert. I am quiet. I am shy. I am reserved. But when I was in middle school, it was to the extreme. And so uh, I think those two things coupled together, it just meant I'm really angry about this because I don't know what this means, but I do know that it's not something that I, I want to be true. So I held it in, um, but the reality is I'm, it makes me so much more grateful for Port City. And uh, the Port City is a church that says, hey, we don't just welcome your doubts. We don't just welcome the hard questions. We desire you to bring them. We desire them here. We've got starting point. We've got just environments after environments and just the heartbeat that says, um, you, don't, you don't walk through this alone. We walk mm-hmm. through it together, and God can handle all those questions. And so I'm really, really grateful for that because I, I didn't have that. Um, you remember what that was like. I remember what that was like, yeah. But um, fast forward in a little bit uh, to my senior year. I started interning at another church, and it wasn't that church. It was the person that I interned with, Doug Carroll, who kind of helped me start processing a little bit. And honestly, it wasn't um, super pointed, but it was just the heartbeat that he carried that that made me realize, hey, I can bring these things to God too. So during that period, I really just kind of turned away. I mean, I put, I put my khaki pants on, my button-up shirt, because you got to go to First Baptist with your khaki pants and your button-up shirt. But um, my, my heart was not for God. My heart was not. I didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't want to have anything to do with that because of what it meant for me, and I couldn't, I couldn't process that well. Mm-hmm. But meeting Doug and getting to, to hear his heartbeat um, really helped me start um, to process that. Um, so fast forward just a little bit more. When I was 20, I moved to Atlanta to, um, to be a part of North Point and start serving. And so I started serving, um, doing monitors, working for the production team. Shout out to all of our production folks. Y'all yeah. are awesome. Um, so I did that for a little bit. And then uh, through just some random events, started leading worship for middle school, then started leading worship um, for the adult gatherings. And then uh, did that for several years. But that's kind of the, the leads me to the point where uh, where I entered into your office, the yeah. story where I entered in and, and just kind of shared with you, and then I'm going to share today. So you're in, you're in uh, North Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Dublin is a couple Dublin's hours. About, yeah, two and a half hours from there. Two and a half hours yeah. south mm-hmm. uh, down. So that's, yeah. Yep. So uh, there was a weekend. I was working full-time at Chick-fil-A. I was uh, doing the, the, the worship leading thing. So it was Jesus everywhere, right, between both of those things. Um, Jesus and chicken. Uh, that was my life. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, t- I took the weekend off. I think it might have been a, a night where I went home. So I went home to see mom, dad, and I don't remember if my, my brother was there or not, but I was probably 23, 24. And at that time, so, so mom's illness progressed pretty, pretty bad throughout high school. She was, um, I might be getting it wrong, but I, I know in middle school she was driving when we shouldn't have, she shouldn't have been driving, if I'm being honest. Um, and so probably by the time I was, I was leaving high school, she was um, not able to walk, anything like that, in a wheelchair. Um, but there were a lot of other things that were happening. Um, so I went home for the night. I'm about 24. And uh, I remember my dad telling me, hey, your mom isn't doing well. She can't come out and spend time with us. She's just going to stay in her wheelchair and stay there. The pain was rough. And so we just hung out. And then it got time for bed. And I was like, well, I'm going to go in and uh, tell her good night. Um, and I so, want to, I want to, Rob, yeah. just like, I want us to kind of think, because when you, when you say this, you kind of say it. So you go home traveling to see your mom and your dad, and she physically can't really even interact with you guys. Yeah. And, um, like, do you remember what that, like, that felt like? Or do you just remember kind of like, like going by it? Like, you go, this is just the way it is? Or do you remember, like, feeling like, was something building? So it was definitely building, but I, I will say um, this was just kind of normal for us. Okay. Like it was, was going to be hit or miss how she was doing. Um, 
she had progressed pretty far in it, but then there were good days and there were bad days even inside of that. Okay. And so, so you go tell her again. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, just, no, that's just, good. That's really, really good. I'm just trying to get um, my, my brain around yeah. what's happening. Um, and so I remember going into her room to tell her goodnight, um, and she was in her wheelchair um, where she would kind of stay all day until dad put her in bed. Um, and she just looked at me, and I, I remember this, like just fe- being there and feeling this, because I go in just thinking I'm going to bring joy, I'm going to bring happiness, I'm going to bring, you know, uh, my mom and I were really, really close. And so I go in and just, hey, I wanted to tell you goodnight, and I'll never forget the the sentence that she said. It was um, that I've been praying all day that Jesus would help me to be well enough to spend time with you, but I guess he's too busy. And I, I remember in that moment standing there being a person that leads worship, and I have no words for her, and I have no words for me. And it was just this moment of reality just clashing with this, hey, I've been saying these things, but I've been pushing this away, and I don't even know what to do. And um, it was disappointment, but I, I, my biggest struggle was anger, and anger just took over. I was so I was so angry at that. I was angry at God. I was back to this place of just, I don't know what this means. And the feeling of helplessness standing in front of my mom being a, we could call it a pastor on Sundays, pastoring people, and I, I've got nothing. I'm helpless, and I have no words in that moment. Um, so as, as, as uh, cheesy uh, movie as it sounds, I remember hitting my pillow back in my bed and thinking of that moment. It's like, ah, those, those movies are kind of real. Um, <laughs> um, but it was just, there was just there was huge anger. I think, moment. too, the thing, Roland, I appreciate this, is what, what, you, what you bring is, is all of us, all of us, like, we, we, we live in these places of tension where we're hoping and believing and trusting and we are aware. Sometimes it's, it's in our own lives, but it's always in someone's life that there's this, something is not going the way someone has begged for. Ask God, and we just can't fathom, like, God, why couldn't you grant 20 minutes or an hour? Why couldn't you, why couldn't you just do that? Yeah. And the emotion that builds in there, and that, that's where I really think we want to kind of center in and kind of grab this, this the way you process that. Um, it wasn't calculated, but it unfolded over the coming, really, months and years to bring you to this point. So yeah. what, what, what happened after you come back, you punch your pillow. It's a good thing you hit a wall, yeah, but yeah. you punch your pillow and then you, you know, you, you, this, this process unfolds this, this way. Yeah. I, th- I think that, um, I was fortunate that I knew pretty quick, I can't keep going in this trajectory without doing something about it. Um, and I was also fortunate uh, to be surrounded by some really, really incredible people. Um, it's why I believe the church is so important mm. and being in community is so important. Mm. And so I knew one, um, I could probably pick up the pieces and make it through, um, but the fact that I'm around some absolutely incredible people, why wouldn't I walk through it with them? So my next step was uh, calling all these people and saying, hey, when can we meet? When can we sit down? Because I've got some stuff I need to process and I need your help. Um, and so I did that. And so there was probably four or five people that I remember sitting down with and just kind of processing, hey, Why? Like, what, what is this? How do I get through this? How do I process this emotion? How do I process this reality for me? And how does that, what does that say about God? What does it mean about God? And why Did you just call them and go, hey, my mom? Um, so I sat down with most of them that were local. Um, and so there were several, several folks that worked at Chick-fil-A. Um, 
that I sat down with and then some people from church Good. that I sat down with and asked. And um, I'll be honest, like I was, I was incredibly fortunate in that moment um, to be surrounded by a lot of people that had a lot of wisdom. And by wisdom, I don't mean that they had the right answer, but they had all the um, X's and O's to teach me why this is happening, but that they were willing to say, I don't have the answer. Um, but that they were also willing to sit in it with me. And so that was the common thread through all of them was, hey, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why this is true. I don't, I don't know, and I'm so sorry. I'm going to sit in it with you, and I'm going to walk through it with you, and we're going to get through this together. That's one of the reasons, too, just so you'll know as you're watching, um, paying attention, is that this is one of the reasons why the way we, we do processing, we help people walk with God, is one of our core tenets is that some questions deserve answers and others deserve a conversation. Um, when someone asks where the bathroom is, you just say it's down the hall to the right or to the left. Uh, when someone asks you, how do I deal with this, what Rollins talking about with his mom, you sit down with them and you weep with those who weep and you hold your hands open and you say, I, I, I don't know how, but here's, what we're going, here's how we're going to walk. And that's kind of what unfolded that, that process. Yeah. yeah. What was the thing? What was the thing that you kind of, after you processed? I mean, obviously, there's still anger. There's, when, when was there a place where it began to transition? Yeah. I mean, I know for me, um, the last person I called was one of my best friends. His name is Jonathan. And uh, I remember uh, that was a phone call because he had, he had moved to a different city. But uh, we had walked through so much life together, and he knew my story. He was from Dublin, and so he knew my mom, he knew my dad, he knew my family. Um, and we had done ministry together. And I just remember talking to him, and this, this was the monumental moment for me when I just asked him why, and we're on the phone, we're both crying. And I remember him just saying, man, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know why your mom has it, why my mom doesn't. I could get a call any moment right now that something's happening, and I don't know why. But what I, what I do know is that one day your mom's going to stand face-to-face with God, and he's going to make it right because he's the God of redemption. It's what he does. He redeems things, and he redeems people. And, man, I could, I could hold on to that. I could cling to that. And I remember uh, even through the tears just knowing this is, this is what I have to do. This is, this is the thing that's going to get me through is, is the ultimate knowledge of who God is and what he's doing. And uh, I remember there, there's, a, there's a quote that Matt Chandler says that we can live in the confidence of knowing the ultimate truth. And the ultimate truth in that moment was that through the hurt, through the pain, through every single season of it, God is with me. He's never going to leave me. And that one day he's going to redeem it. And the, the end of that story for me, it's, it's not there yet, but it's not, I still fight for it. I still uh, cling to that truth. I still hold to that truth. It's why I celebrate so hard in worship. It's because mm-hmm. I know that these things are true, and if they're true, he's worthy to be worshiped. And um, just for, for, for context, your mom lived with MS for 24 years Yeah, and she, passed away. She passed away six years ago, um, and even in that, it's absolutely incredible to know that she's had that moment. She's had that moment of standing face to face and it's been made right. It's been redeemed. When would you describe that? I know one of the things you said is that, you know, this idea of living in the confidence 
um, where you began to sense like what James says, right? To count it all joy isn't just a motivational state, but actually has teeth. How, how did that unfold? Yeah. Or is um, it unfolding? Yeah. I know in my I, office you said, you know, sometimes you, you, you look at Judah, your one-year-old, yeah. and yeah. go, he won't meet my mom here. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's mixed emotions all the time. Emotions are going to waver, um, but it, it is a reality. And I mean, thinking about that, thinking about the fact that my son will never get to meet my mom and never get to, the, so much of who I am is because of her, and so much of who I am is a result of who she was. And um, to get to celebrate that by f- the physical presence of her won't, won't ever uh, come to be for him. Um, but, but even in that, there's still these truths. There's still these things that we cling to. Mm. And the reality is I, I believe that, and even for me, hearing this idea of joy, my, my first response and the way that we kind of got to doing this was, was the reality of, hey, in that moment when my mom said to me um, that I guess he was too busy, I don't know that joy was in that moment super strongly. Uh, I didn't feel that too much. Uh, but the reality either. is what this verse invites us into yeah. is that there's joy in the perseverance, mm. is that in perseverance there's joy. And the reality is there, there are two options for us when we face challenges, when we face circumstances that are bigger than we can handle on our own. And one is to go alone with ourselves. The perseverance can look like um, I was asking before, but I don't remember what the term is, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps right. and making it happen. I don't know if I just combined two different things that's, or that's, not. I don't that's know. a real okay. thing. I don't know what that means. Um, have never pulled myself up by bootstraps or had bootstraps for that matter. Um, but, um, I think it's like tying your shoes or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can, you can walk through it on your own and even in that moment. And it's probably what I had done for so long is that I've, I've walked through this on my own. I can hold myself together. I can make it happen. I can, I can pick these pieces that have just shattered of myself, and I can pick them up and carry them. And that's one way that you can, you can persevere by walking on your own, or you can persevere by running toward God and just relentlessly running towards Him. And that means digging in. That means walking through the questions. That means not avoiding, um, but really, really digging in. And the, the beautiful thing in that is that our, our God is an artist. He's able to take all of our pieces. He's able to put them back together. And the song we're going to sing here in Wilmington at a couple of our campuses is, is called Defender. And it just says, when, when I thought I lost me, which in that moment I had lost, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was happening. It says, you knew where I left me. He never loses sight. He never loses us. And you reintroduced me to your love. You, you picked up all my pieces and you put me back together. And you're that's, the defender. You're the defender of my heart. And what a beautiful invitation that we can persevere by being our own defenders or we can persevere by trusting mm-hmm. the God of all creation that makes the most beautiful things out of just shambles um, to be the defender of my heart. And so I think that's where the joy comes yeah. in, is in the perseverance and in the sight and keeping our eyes fixed. The song that we just sang here that says, so I fix my eyes on you. It's, it's just a reality. We fix our eyes on Jesus yeah. and we persevere through it in that direction. Yeah, the way you, and you said something earlier, you said, um, <clears throat> I always take notes, and we'll go back and journal on this later on, but you said, you know, because I think you mentioned a reality is a lot of us, we can pick up the pieces. Like, there's a level of strength that some that you possess, that some of you possess, just because you're tough. You've just endured a lot. And, but you miss things. You miss some of the most profound things when we live like that, and the things you had mentioned is that a lot of times it ends up with isolation 
and even a hardening of ourselves, but that when we pursue our Heavenly Father, you had talked about we find confidence yeah. and we find presence where the fullness of joy is found yeah. and this idea of redemption. Yeah. Um, in my office, we were talking about this, and you said that one of the great things about redemption is you didn't have to understand it to cling to it. Mm-hmm. What, is that, what does that do for you today? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard the statement that, um, uh, that you sing it till you believe it, or you hold on to it till you believe it. But um, to, to me, um, it's just this idea of trust, this idea of surrender, it's this idea of I'm going to lay my life down. And at the end of the day, I don't remember who said it, it might have been C.S. Lewis or something like that, is like, I, who would God be if we could understand everything of who he is? He wouldn't be holy, he wouldn't be set apart. And so it's just trusting in this moment. Um, not that, and this is what I'm so thankful for, that in that moment, none of my friends said, hey, God's got a plan. Um, and, but there is this reality to God can take every single thing and make something beautiful out of it. Yeah. He can use your story. He can use, I, I never would, in that moment, I never would have thought that I'd be standing on stage sharing my story as a message of hope, as a message of a way forward, as a message of joy, much less. Um, but th- it is there that in the perseverance, there's joy. And there's this reality that we can, we can cling to these things as long as we're willing to lay ourselves down and just trust that he is who he says he is. Yeah. Raul, I think, to the way, the, the way you know, the, the, the opening story in the scriptures involves both catastrophic circumstances, a promise of redemption that requires generations to occur. And it really leads to one of the most, I think, profound descriptions of what the gospel actually did in Genesis chapter 50 when Joseph looks at his brothers who had sold him into slavery and tricked the father and all the things. And, and Joseph looks at them and says what, what Satan intended for evil, God intended or used for good. And I think um, when we talk about redemption, what, what, what we believe about redemption is not that we understand, oh, we see exactly how all this worked out for Rylan and for Emily and for Judah. But we, what we know is that God doesn't waste anything, and he yeah. uses it all to bring about his purposes and plans for every single one of us. And that's where you lead from. And I think it's evident. I've been around you in this room with just a few of us, I've been in rehearsals where you go into those moments and certainly we've all seen that corporately. So Rylan, thank you so very much for being willing to share um, your story with us. Thanks, Mike. Hey, before you, before you go too far, Rylan, um, I do want to tell you um, in front of everybody how much um, I appreciate your, your desire for us to get it. Because I know when, you, when, when you're leading us and you're singing, you know, you're the defender of our hearts, you pick up all the pieces, you want all of us to get it. And I think that's probably perhaps what was formed or forged through all the things that you have uh, been through and that God has used. And it's a real joy for us to be able to receive from that and to see fruit uh, from it. So thank you so much. Um, here's how we're going to finish up. We're going to be talking to those of you online and those of us in this room. Um, you know, the, the thing that the reality is, um, life is hard. And there are a lot of things, and if it's not hard for you, it's hard for someone that you know and that you care about deeply, more than likely. 
And um, one of the things that we've been talking about as a church, and our mission is to reach people and help them walk with God. And we've been saying for the last three or four years, really trying to understand the trajectory, the, the result. When we reach people and help them walk with God, what happens? What does it look like? Do we just get some help with our finances or help with our marriage and we go back to the life that we always had? What we're seeing is that there's a treasure in the field. And when we find that treasure, we get rid of everything else and we pursue that. What we believe that looks like, as we put this in a statement, is it is life with God together for the world. That our lives together, we learn how to walk with him and to have fuel for that and to trust in him and to live with him. And, but this, this hinge word of together, this life with God together, it's us. And this is where it might matter more um, than any other possible way, because there's really uh, kind of two ways to process this. There's some of you, or one way, to, two ways to process, like Rollins said. You can either do this on your own, or you can cling to something that you desperately want to cling to, but just don't know if you have the strength to. So what I'm going to ask you to do is if you're here, and you might be at one of those crossroads, maybe there's a circumstance that's in front of you that is threatening, not just your joy, but it's threatening your faith. You can't figure out how could God allow this. And that's where you are. And as Rolla mentioned earlier, we're not, we don't just you know, welcome that perspective. We actually desire, we want you to bring who you are to this place, to our God, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus. We want you to bring it to Him. So we're gonna do something that we don't um, do a lot, but I think it's important for you, perhaps you to see, and if you're at home, um, you can do this as well. We'd love for you to join us. But if you're at a crossroads, you're like, man, this has been hard and I'm, I, I, I need to cling to something. I'm just gonna ask you to stand right where you are. And that's kind of a gutsy thing, right? You can stand right there. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It just means the daggum circumstances aren't like we wish they would have been. What I want to ask you is this, what can you cling to? Like, can you just hold on to the fact that God is faithful to redeem? He is faithful to redeem. That he's the one, when you thought you lost him, he knew right where things went awry. And he's faithful to pick up the pieces and start to put them back in a much more beautiful an eternal puzzle and picture than we can even imagine. And so for the rest of us, what we're gonna do in just a minute is we're gonna stand. And what we're gonna do is I want you to, those of you who are standing, I want you to hear me. We're standing with you. When you look around and you see everybody stand, we're standing with you. This is together. Don't do this alone and don't think that you're alone. Some of you are standing, some of you got hands, that's, that's really cool. You're not alone in this. This is what together looks like. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer with it. We need to learn how to do this better and better and better because this is how God uses and works things for his redemptive purposes in your lives and in the life of his church. So as you're sitting there and you're kind of preparing yourself for standing, oh, it's about time to get done. I want you to look around, maybe lock eyes or just maybe think about something. And you stand and you're going to say, I'm standing with these folks. I'm standing with them. We're going to stand together. We're going to declare these things over um, each other, over those of you who are standing, trusting, helping you cling to the fact that God is faithful. 
is faithful to his promise of redemption. Father, I want to pray for those who are standing right now. I have no idea the breadth or the depth of the circumstances that bring them to a crossroads, but I do know that you have told us that if we count it joy, if we just stubbornly say, this is what we're going to cling to, there's a work that gets done that is deep and it is rich and it is pervasive and it is not subjected or subjected to any other force in this world. So Father, we hold that. So God, I just ask that you would speak to them, minister to them, let your presence be real to them such that this glimmer of joy begins to awaken. And so Father, I just ask that you do that. And as we join together with them, that they would feel the power not only of your presence, but the power of your presence manifest through the life and the body um, that is gathered here today. And so I lift all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, who is our King.